0: <laughs> hey <Yeah>. welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Podcast. <laughs> that's good thank you
1: So do you think you can adequately describe what a news group is?
2: If I were trying to describe it to like yeah, no children per- that don't understand w- I mean what doesn't news have to groups be- we're about
1: children in this sense could be somebody that's like twenty. <laughs> thanks for that (laughs) 25 without pictures
2: without pictures right
1: like without showing a picture and then like explaining it do you think that you could just like describe it to make sense
2: yeah it just felt like a community of people with similar interests that would discuss things together in a um it's almost like a reddit style forum but it was broken up into
1: Can you you remember what it actually, like what the layout was though? Like the format, like it wasn't threads, right?
2: I feel like it was kind of threads just in that America, America online sort of way.
1: Was it specifically something that only existed inside AOL?
2: Oh, I don't know about that. That was just my, my lens. I feel like it was built by them because they were kind of the champions of the internet back then. That you could go, you could drop down into your news groups, have all your little, and then you'd go into those and have all your threads and you would click down into them. And so I think, you know, the the kids know what it is. It's just Reddit now.
1: Anybody that's listening probably doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about though.
2: No, probably not. (laughs) Even people my age probably. We're not bopping around on news groups as there.
1: It must have been. It very... certainly was
2: not as popular as like instant messaging, even back then.
1: And it had to have been a small community, considering that. How many people did you actually know in real life that frequented? Like, the news you... groups I was on? Yeah.
2: No, nobody, nobody.
1: You knew me. Yeah, you were in. And it. you knew Scooter.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true.
1: And all these people lived within, like, do you think that there was some advanced, like, algorithm back then that filtered the messages to, like, oh, these are from nearby? Yeah, it, was called, it,
2: was... it was called age sex location. <laughs> and
1: that's what kept everybody in it. And you
2: would say that you were a 13-year-old woman on the internet and <laughs> anyone near you would, would be around pretty, pretty easily. So yeah, that was the advanced algorithm. People sorted themselves by saying, tell me where you're located, how old you are, and what your gender is.
1: It's kind of a treat today because we have like the queen of the (laughs) Blink-182 news group.
2: (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Blink-KX-182. That was real.
1: Yeah. That was like, do you have any sort of pride in yourself for like... (laughs) I'm serious. Like, it may just be because I kind of knew you, but it's also very possible that you, like, ran that shit.
2: What? I, no, I see. No, not can, at all. Okay, so, so can there's you... there's definitely no pride in it, because in no way do I feel like I ran it. I'm crying. That's so funny.
1: Can you remember... Like, so I was in a guar news group, and... Well, so I was like 17 or 18. And there were people in the news group. There were two or three dudes that actually were associated with the band that were in the news group. They had like doing actual
2: like, admins and moderators that were well, I don't truly think, connected. I don't think that they called them that back then at all.
1: They were just people that were in it. But the people that were there knew that these weren't just other fans. Like they worked alongside of them. Like one of them was. Like one of the slaves that runs around on stage and connects all the, like the piping and all that
2: stuff. Oh yeah. An internet hype man was one of his other roles.
1: To to me, that was you. (laughs) Then maybe I do need to
2: feel pride in this apparently. Did
1: you know that there were other people that had more of a presence? Like, did you look up to anyone else in the news group like, oh, this is... Like, I'm the ultra fan, but this is, like, the ultra fan, like, plus one.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I definitely did not view myself as being, like, any sort of special person in that space. So, yeah, anybody, I guess, I would have been like, oh, that's awesome. No, I didn't, I didn't have any thoughts about thinking that I was but a bigger you, fan than any of Do you them. remember
1: anybody specifically?
2: Other than, like, you and, and Adam? No. Who's that? Scooter.
1: It, oh, okay. There was nobody on the forum that when they would make posts, that you would I'll be like,
2: "I uh, better listen up for the hottest Blink One Eighty Two news because right, this right. this person is dialed in." Yeah, yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. But you are. This was twenty two years ago too, so I may not have my when, clearest glasses on about what album. What was album it? was out when when I when the internet happened for me?
1: When this specific aspect of the internet, because all I remember about it was I saw endless posts of yours, just constantly talking about the do's and don'ts of selling out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's all it was. was Oh, that's
2: why it's because it was, um, it was was dude Ranch. It was right when dude ranch came out, which was when they got hit with. So
1: you're telling me, I listened to, I couldn't make it all the way through. But I listened to parts of most of their albums when I was driving last night. And it was hard, but I made myself do it.
2: You were studying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't give me this time to revisit the discography, so you're probably gonna be sharper. I
1: was gonna than do some, some trivia just to see <laughs> how much you can remember, but I'm way too lazy to actually like look into it that deep. I was gonna quote Like lines to you, and you had to tell me.
2: (laughs) I would be able to sing along, but I would not be able to tell you the song. I'd have to like sing it to figure out what it was. It's one of those things that you listened to for so long that it's like back there. I don't think I could. You gotta excavate it.
1: I don't think I could say it without having like the intonation of the song anyway. I don't think I could just like like read it, you know?
2: It it transcends the (laughs) spoken
1: word. You're telling me that. They were getting shit on for Dude Ranch, not for Enema of the State.
2: No, yeah, they got, yeah, they started getting, it started with people being annoyed at, at Dude Ranch.
1: Were you still, were you it still, only elevated were you still there for Enema of the State or had you already moved on?
2: It was when I started to kind of, you know, yeah. I, I listened to it, but
1: when I listened to the first song on Cheshire Cat, yeah, is really good, yeah. And then I feel like the rest of the album is like fine. And then Dude Ranch has like three or four songs that I could still really listen to. Like yeah, Pathetic is really good. Yeah, but Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch sound like the same band, with one was recorded in a garage. And one was recorded in like a very cheap studio.
2: And I think that's where people started. Right. I think that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. They wanted it to sound like it was in a garage, you know?
1: But when you go to Enema of the State, you can tell that it was recorded in a professional music studio with a completely different style of music because of the drummer, right? Because yes. that's when they switched drummers.
2: And that was where uh, So I started to leave.
1: which is weird because that's when everybody else started to pile on
2: (laughs) yeah i know people people enjoyed what travis brought to that table i just didn't it just wasn't my thing
1: i listened to a few albums that i'd never heard of like i never even knew that they came out oh yeah apparently they were making albums like this whole time
2: (laughs) they've still yes and the funny thing is especially since you were saying like do i feel some sort of (laughs) like ownership or pride over them like i will meet people now that uh, you know are big fans and it'll come up and i'll be like oh I i was a really big fan of blinkin 82 once upon a time and we will be talking about two totally different bands because the time period that they were invested in is so far from when i was that we won't have the frame of reference for the same things at all at all it's crazy
1: technically now i think it is fair to say that the last two albums are a completely different band because it's just the nasally guy or is it not the nasally which which dude one of the dudes left
2: tom left
1: is that the nasally guy yeah (laughs) okay and that's the alien guy yes okay yes And then they got He's got work to
2: do. The aliens are making a lot more communication these days. So yeah, Matt Skiba from The Alkaline Alkaline. Alkaline Trio. And
1: what's weird is that
2: Which actually has been pretty interesting. It's a it's a good mix.
1: That California album is awesome. Yeah. I think it's like their best album.
2: (laughs) It it was wild. I mean, it is a totally different band. It doesn't even it doesn't even connect, but it's good.
1: I was expecting maybe some kind of pushback from you on that. No, as, no. As if I, like, you know, I had insulted you like at your core. <laughs> <laughs> the, the how no, could that box man,
2: I still have more. Tra- no, I still have more. Uh, I have more beef with Travis still than Matt Skiba. So what about I like him? definitely. I don't know. I just, you know. Is
1: so it the way he looks?
2: <laughs> Colorado did it to me. Probably.
1: No. Yeah. He's like king dirt biker.
2: That's then. That's what it is. It's PTSD from recognizing him as a dirt biker from the moment. Because he actually not has that anything is wrong with anyone that may be listening and also enjoys dirt biking. I think that's not what I'm saying. People are pretty, pretty confident that I don't like dirt biking. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I think it's, it's come kind up. Like we a few don't times. cover it. <laughs> That's
1: funny because he actually owns one of those brands right yeah one of those
2: is his yes i can't i feel like it's what is it
1: uh, is it the stars and the straps yes is that his yeah yes what do you think the best album is that someone from the band has been in because they've had like five or six oh. like offshoots right yeah oh yeah so they Which certainly
2: which, have. which of those is the best um I mean, it's, all, it's not going to be a, you want one of the spinoffs or just out of Blink-182 or anything that those members have touched because it's still going to be Cheshire Cat. Okay,
1: not including Blink-182. Oh. Which, which other sideband?
2: Well, I mean, it? I guess we can count it as this, but Alkaline Trio then.
1: Oh, shit. I guess that does count.
2: Because they're great. Yeah.
1: I didn't even consider that. Yeah. That's, nah,
2: that's I'll, fine. <laughs> That's not what I wanted. You to do. wanted me to say like angels and airwaves or something. <laughs> Definitely not that one. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna say that.
1: <laughs> I like the transplants a lot.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking of, as I was, <laughs> as I was doing my in-depth research it's a for Some medical this. segue. Tim Armstrong is 54. Wow. Yeah.
2: The world gets so much smaller as you get older.
1: Yeah, that's like. Anytime you hear like, oh, this, this dude that you used to kind of look up to that was somewhat close to like, and I guess he's not close to my age, but at the time when I was like 15, so he was like 30, like, he's not like an old man, right?
2: Right. But like 54. When you were 15, he was not an old man. (laughs) Right.
1: But now like, it's undoubtedly. If you're
2: an old man, he's he's also an old
1: man. He's an even older man. (laughs) So <laughs> but it.
2: that's kind of like, I don't know, that's kind of the cool part about um, the gap as we age, I think, gets smaller. You know, we start to really see that everyone else is just another person. Whereas I think when we're young, we do do a lot of that, like, placing people and situations and stuff on pedestals.
1: Apparently all that he does now is like super solo reggae style covers.
2: Right party he's just having a good time of
1: his of his own songs,
2: music awesome
1: which i sent you a link to that you didn't ever listen to but that's fine
2: <laughs> i have the link you didn't tell me it was homework or i would have listened no it to wasn't <laughs> i
1: just want to know what you thought about it because
2: <laughs> well then i'll listen to it and i he, will not get my thoughts on the podcast he, uh, <laughs> because they're not there yet
1: his voice like you could probably never hear him speak for like 30 years And then, like, hear them and know exactly who it is.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yes. To me, the two things about you that, like, make you you, right? Because the things that you like are what make you who you are.
2: (laughs) Right. I was going to say, okay. (laughs) Yes.
1: You've got David Duchovny who spends his, his whole life, basically, is dedicated to pretending that there's aliens, right? And then Tom... From blank, dedicated his whole life now to proving that there are aliens. And then Billy Corgan, who says that he's actually like seen an alien. Right. And these are like three of your favorite, I mean, in a way, right? Like your favorite people.
2: Yeah, definitely influential people in my.
1: But you don't ever sit back and wonder, like, what's wrong with you that you have like this weird, like, what's your opinion on aliens?
2: Oh, I absolutely believe there are aliens, yeah. I do. Like how far does that go? Oh, it could go for a long it could go longer than this podcast will go. <laughs> but what do you mean? Like how far back do well, does my belief
1: You have a friend that knows Billy Corgan. I do, yeah. Has he ever heard about this aliens? experience that Billy Corgan won't talk about, that he does kind of talk about?
2: I don't know. I you never asked ask him? him. I don't no, I don't I don't pry into okay. into into their friendship but
1: do you think that he saw an
2: alien i'm sure yeah
1: you're you're sure yeah there's no doubt about yeah he saw one
2: (laughs) yeah no no second thought no 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 it does it's not a second thought to me at all
1: so you think that they're among us
2: yeah i do
1: this is Interesting. It's getting deeper yeah, than you. Yeah. You're
2: like, whoa, screw all these questions. I thought I was going to ask you. You're a wackadoo. Let's okay, do Okay, so,
1: so have you seen any?
2: Uh, not that I know of, no.
1: What makes you so sure that, like, I feel confident in saying that, like, there's aliens. Yeah. And I feel pretty confident saying that, like, they probably know that we're here. Maybe they've come and, like, checked us out. Yeah. But you're saying they're, like, super soldiers. They're like, like
2: a full-on X theme. X like, theme. X Files. Well like they're line. they're among us. Yeah, I I just think that, you know It feels kinda like it should go without saying that there's other living things than us. And right. so I would also think that there are different ways of communicating or different ways of being present that are more advanced than the average person's experience and that those types of ways can be ways that we could communicate with something that wasn't
1: so it's more of a spiritual thing
2: well i think that when you start to look at like people that astral project and you know move in the spirit body moving through moving in a spirit body instead of a physical body um
1: but does that so, when I say, have, do you think that they're among us, do you mean they're among us, like, spiritually? Not that I could reach out and, like, touch it, but they're like Luke Skywalkering their way here. They're, like, projecting In my themselves. mind, I
2: think that, f- from what I hear of people that do communicate with, um, you know, extraterrestrial beings, it typically seems to come down like that. Like, it's it's a communication that um, is in a different world or realm than we identify as, you know, this. So it's not what I'm picturing that like like, that one of them is sitting on the other side of this mic hanging out
1: or that I passed like the person who gave me my food at Bojangles is some pissed off alien, you know, (laughs) they got stuck in like a minimum wage job.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so yeah, I mean, it all depends on, on your take on it. And I, I definitely don't consider myself to be an expert in it um but i definitely am someone that's willing to say that i totally uh, believe that it's but around and
1: and they can get here without physically coming here. Yeah. Okay. But that seems more like a ghost. Sure. But if it's a ghost from another planet, it's like a ghost alien. <laughs> Is that what you're saying sure okay Sure. because like one of those is already kind of fucked up but like you put them together it's like, like i don't du- want anything du- to do with that yeah i don't want any
2: ghost aliens <laughs> roaming around uh yeah i mean when you think about especially plugging into hold on a
1: second don't lose that thought but you said you're not an expert on this
2: certainly not but I'm like, not Tom. We, you would need to have a different how, 182 fan. What, what qualifies
1: someone as an expert on something that... Like, you can't even prove that it exists, right?
2: Oh, there are definitely people studying it.
1: But how do you know if they're right or not? Because they can't be an expert if they're wrong. Can you? Is that a thing?
2: I feel like... Can
1: you be like an expert, but everything... You,
2: but everything you're <laughs> studying is wrong? Certainly. <laughs> I think so. I think there are That's people like, that devote their time to studying things that...
1: Like Jesus.
2: Oh. No, but like there's a was that an alien is ghost? It... Is that what we're...
1: expert implies a sense of being correct.
0: Uh-oh. Doesn't it?
2: To me, expert implies being well informed. Correctness, I think, is in a lot of people's choices to make, you know. Like when you think about science in particular, that is, you know, testing theories, right? So, and there's plenty of experts in scientific fields, and then those fields can be debunked later. It doesn't mean that they weren't experts in what they were studying. It just means that I think
1: once they got debunked,
2: they would no longer be the expert, though. Yeah, but I mean, that's a lot of times that's hundreds of years that go by before those types of things change so i mean so there's
1: no real repercussions for the people because like they're long gone right they thought they were an expert yeah
2: i mean they just devoted themselves to a study of something i think is where is where i think of an expert is you know if you devote yourself to studying something then you can become an expert at that to a certain extent because it's just knowing more about a topic than someone else that if the topic
1: that you're studying is wrong. Then I agree with you like if the whole if the whole field ends up being like, oh that that doesn't even exist or something, right?" Then that guy was still an expert in the field. It was the field that was wrong, but like if the shit that he's saying about it is wrong, but oh, the like field someone's, study, is someone's
2: still- actual th- hypotheses and stuff is found to be incorrect.
1: Like, he can't be an expert just because he put a lot of time into it when everything that he was saying was
2: wrong. Agreed. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying.
1: you have any idea what you were going to say before I told you to no, stop? No, <laughs>
2: you said hold on to that, and then... I didn't think
1: so. Do you still watch Family Guy ever? <laughs>
2: no, not really, no. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV at all anymore. Is it
1: something that you, just, you don't watch TV in general, or did you specifically quit watching it? Because oh, I just don't
2: watch TV a ton in general.
1: Did you ever start to have an issue with it as you've grown more politically correct?
2: (laughs) Oh, um,
1: like, do you ever see clips from it or think about something that you laughed at 10 years ago? And now you're like, Jesus, like that's like, that's fucked up. Oh yeah, for sure.
2: I think that everybody at some point goes through a little bit of that. And I think that we're supposed to, I think that, you know, growth is necessary. I didn't, no, I didn't have that as like a show I purposefully boycotted or anything th- because it those? did something. No, I, I don't think so. I think I don't, I think I watch so little TV that, you know. I meh. think
1: that you and then you on Facebook are like slightly different people.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> because you Everyone have always. these
2: slightly different.
1: Okay, I think that you and you on Facebook are, hold on, the you that I know from 10 years ago. Yes. And I'm very different. The current (laughs) you on Facebook are very different. Okay. Because I never was concerned about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, even if what I was saying or doing was pretty fucked up or pretty stupid. You were always accepting of it. But now you, you come across as like, I'm going to put the hammer down on somebody like if they step out of line like just the tiniest oh. bit. Oh, you don't see yourself no, that way? No, I don't
2: see myself that way. I still consider myself... I mean, I, I'm sorry that it feels that way. Um, no, I don't consider myself that way, no. I, I try to keep unconditional space for people You know, at any turn, I'm willing to talk about subjects um, and things that I do think we should collectively acknowledge. And I'm much more vocal about that than I was than when I was younger. My voice. You think
1: that you still felt that way when you were younger? You just weren't as outspoken about it. Absolutely. But some of this stuff when we were younger didn't even exist.
2: No, it did. (laughs) A lot of the things that are coming to light now that are social concerns about the way that we treat one another and the way that we form communities together, you know, they have definitely existed. It is, it is the unwillingness to talk about it or the fearfulness of being outspoken in a place where you were, you know, not among like-minded people makes it where people find it hard to speak their truth sometimes. And I definitely appreciate, uh, having grown into that as I've gotten older. But um, a lot of the ideals and things that I hold close have been consistent. Some of them have been things that have developed in me that have definitely changed over the course of my adulthood. But, um, you know, at the core, I don't want to come off as if I'm trying to dictate what people should and should not do. That's not my place. Everybody's path is their own.
1: Not what they... Not like how you can and can't be, but out of all I'm I don't have a lot of social media friends. But out of the ones that I have and maybe I just pay I don't think that I pay more attention to it because it's you, but you seem to be one of the more outspoken people about it. Like there's not a day that goes by that you don't wanna bring something to someone's attention about something. Lortel, you know, make it known that this way of thinking isn't, like, the right way to be thinking. These things existed back then, but we didn't talk about them.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot, that's, that's everything, you know, as we go through development the, and growth of.
1: The, the gender fluidity thing did not exist, right? No, it did. But.
2: Gender fluidity has existed. How did
1: it exist without like if no one knows about it, like, how does it
0: exist?
2: Um, you know, a lot of the flexibility in gender and what we know about it has been around even in, you know, ancient cultures. Um so it's it's just that the society that we are in and have been in, um, is very it's driven by polarity. You know, it is it is meant to separate and it didn't acknowledge those types of things. In the same way that, you know, we're also working in this um, awakening of major racial oppression and we went through hundreds and hundreds of years of... of Treating people as if they were, you know, subhuman or, or giving them... I guess that's... So, like, the culture is not the decider of what does and doesn't exist. It's just what it is willing to.
1: I guess that's my point. Like, take 10-year-old me. Like, I knew racism was a thing. Oh, yeah. And I knew, like, don't call somebody fat. Like, that's mean. And... That was about it in terms of like societal rules. Like don't make fun of somebody for being fat or wearing glasses and don't make fun of somebody for like being black or Hispanic. And like those, those were the things never once did someone ever say like, don't make fun of this asexual person. Cause it was like, well, what the fuck is that? Right. Like, so you're saying that it's been here all along, but no one wanted to talk about it Yeah, or the people that identified as these types weren't speaking up
2: about it. Oh, I'm sure of that. I mean, but yes, absolutely. When, when people,
1: did they not care enough to speak up about it? Or did they not feel like they could because the, I can't fat, speak for that. Fat but... people spoke up for themselves and said, Hey, stop calling me fat. Like that's mean. Why would it take so long? Like, or other marginalized groups to decide like, Hey, I like me too, like just now. When-
2: no, I mean, it's not just now. There's just, it is it, by the time that something gets to public consciousness and it's something that, especially in America, and it's something that we're having conversations about on a big picture level, the amount of speaking out and trauma and stuff that has had to occur to people that are in those groups to get there is outstanding it's we have a structure that we treat a certain way cis people you know that we acknowledge differently than people that fall outside of what that has deemed the norm and i actually think that more people fall outside of the picture of norm than that fall inside of it i just think that we're we've not been listening or honoring that as we and that we are beginning to have those veils lifted and so i do think that there's a lot of people that haven't had the experience to lift or dissolve those veils Earlier in their life, that are feeling like they're being hit with a lot of information that feels "quote unquote" new, or uh, you know things that don't feel like they would have existed x amount of years ago. But it, it's that's not the reality. That's just the way it feels to have been inside a system that didn't honor you. Talking those about people.
1: You talking about me? Is that what you're you trying but, to I mean, like? I'm just using <laughs> word this. I'm to just me.
2: calling back <laughs> to but the conversation.
1: I have. I've spent 40 years hearing about gay people, black people, fat people. And basically, you pick anything. It doesn't even have to be a cultural thing or a skin color or a sexual preference. People are going to get made fun of for whatever someone wants to make fun of them about. Yeah. Never once have I heard anyone make fun of an asexual person. Because, like, what's the joke there? Like, it. it I just... Like, yeah, like you don't think that like males,
2: that male culture, especially, you know, even though, of course, we're all going through a lot of expanding, but you don't think that people get shit when they're especially younger dudes about who they're dating, who they're sleeping with, who they're not sleeping with. I mean, as a woman, I can imagine the amount of times I got asked about when I was going to get married if I had been somebody who wasn't really pursuing those types of relationships, but that was something that everyone around me became obsessed with talking. about, I've I've heard
1: tons of people get made fun of for not having a girlfriend or not getting married or having kids. Yeah. But a lot of times it's just because like there's something wrong with them or they're like a loser or they're not interested in it. No one has ever been like, Oh, like, loser asexual over here. Like, no one's ever defined them as that. They're just getting, like, the people making fun of them don't even know that that that's a thing. They're not making fun of them. Like, if you make fun of a gay person, you're making fun of them for being gay, right? You're not making fun of them for not having a girlfriend or something. like
2: well i mean it starts there right so like and one of the reasons why a lot of people that are queer in some fashion have issues with that from early childhood is because again there's just this assumption that we are heteronormative and we're in our cisgender and we want to be married and and have children and that that's what you do, and if you don't do that, that you're falling outside of it's, what your expectation is. It's so, so you did weird, describe yeah. making fun of asexual people in all of that, no, just because that there would be wasn't like, a a title attributed to the. If there was a gay fat person, and I
1: made fun of them for being fat, I'm not committing a hate crime on them by hating them for being gay. Like I'm making fun of them for being fat, which I mean, is. It's, which is hate not is making still a fun hate crime of- <laughs> regardless of how is that a- i
2: mean but i'm saying like that that's the point i think is that
1: don't make fun of me because at all. Just right don't make fun of me <laughs> like, like okay let people like, like let fine. people live <laughs> i get that like don't make fun of me for being gay like yeah okay like i'm with that like i don't have a problem with you being gay i'm not gonna make fun of you for it like don't make fun of me because i'm fat it's like uh, like okay fine like i won't <laughs> What the the fuck? What was that? But there's a there's a difference, right?
2: Jesus. Yeah.
1: Well, do you agree or do you not? No, I don't. Then at some point, if it's all the same, it should just be don't,
2: don't shame people,
1: don't make fun of people.
2: Yeah, shame and guilt. Why?
1: Why would you, as the person being shamed, pick? the thing out that you don't want to be shamed for like stop like don't make fun of me for being gay because
2: that's the step further you know it starts with we don't you know it starts with recognizing and honor or recognizing that that we are not the exact same across the board and that's where the shaming and the the hating can be stopped but you move into a place of honoring a person for their differences and that's when you want to vocalize who those people are and and what their story is you know in in the same way that we say when when people try to talk about race and a lot of the times this is coming from a white person's perspective which will will actually say things like i don't see color
1: i got told that that's stupid.
2: Yeah, it is. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because that, like, you're not trying to not see people. That's not the point of equality. is Is not to erase them and say that I don't see the things that make this this person special. It's it's moving into honoring what makes people different versus just not hating them for it. It's just that our our country is. And our culture is still working on the not hating first, you know, like we're stuck in getting past hate, but to move past that and go to where it really needs to be, you are able to honor people for the things that make them different from you and, you know, learn from and cooperate with and grow with. And that's when you can really start to see a culture that thrives off of creation instead of destruction. And that's just not where we're at right now.
1: If you pick on somebody or tease somebody just for a specific aspect of their personality, like how, like friends will make fun of their friends for their inability to like make a decision or they're bad with money or, you know, they don't like pop tarts or some shit, you know, like, dude, how could you not like pop tarts? Right. Like people get made fun of. I got made fun of for years for drinking diet soda instead of regular soda, right? Wow. Be- because like, it Because was, it was like, less manly to concern yourself with the calories, right?
2: That's ridiculous. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, but, I know what you mean. Like, but
1: those that's... are just things that you would pick on someone for. And
2: well, I mean, talk, yeah, toxic masculinity would do that.
1: How is that? That is not a masculine trait. At all. To, you're, you're to try me, to tell you that it's n- you're telling me that women don't tease each other, it's specific just just to men.
2: Oh no, there's there's definitely things that go on in the female world that is. Well, why did I just get
1: sure. labeled with the the toxic masculinity? You didn't. For the, no, <laughs> you not didn't. not me. But why is that where that comes from?
2: For because just for
1: making fun of people.
2: Well, for me saying that you're you were being picked on and the root of it is because it's not manly for you to concern yourself with calories.
1: Toxic masculinity can go from man to man.
2: <laughs> Toxic masculinity <laughs> does go from man to man. I yes. thought that
1: was just a thing that men used to, you know, put the women down.
2: That too. <laughs> it's taught. It's taught. Yeah, absolutely. It's. Taught.
1: I n- never once did I, I think this is kind of where I wanted to end up getting with this. Never once did I feel emasculated by that. Like right, I understand what you're that saying that like my friend's trying to make me feel like less of a man to like make fun of me because of the soda that I'm drinking. But there is some responsibility on my end to just know that he's fucking with me and that it's dumb, and to not like scream from the rooftops, right?
0: Mm. Like, I,
1: I think that, like, what black people in this country are going through is a way bigger deal than my friend making fun of me for drinking diet soda.
2: Definitely. But,
1: but you were kind of saying, don't make fun of anybody for anything. Yes. And I was saying, I'm going to make fun of you for being fat, but not for being gay. And you were like, well, it's kind of the same thing. So. Yeah. But my diet soda and and the black man's plight are the same thing. No. So where is the delineation of
2: I don't think you do that. I don't think there's a reason to do that. Like Well, I want to be when- able to
1: make fun of someone for something. Right? But <laughs> no, I don't want to I don't wanna be a bigot or a racist or a sexist. But like there is a limit to what is an acceptable thing to say and what isn't. But at the same time, we want to eventually get to the point where no one makes fun of anyone for anything.
2: It's right. Okay. Yes. So the
1: asexual plight, like I was saying, like 20 years ago, I never even heard of it. And now like it's, it's grown to where it's now included and the lesbian gay and it, like a no. movement the movement yeah. like they they've joined in with that which is fine but it was a small deal that i guess it's getting bigger and bigger and getting more light on it
0: mm-hmm.
1: you may not agree with me this is going to be difficult would you say that racism has gotten better in the last 100 years in overall in general would you say we have made steps forward?
2: Yes. I think that.
1: Okay. Hold on. Okay. And would you say that I want you to say a certain things. I got to cut you. (laughs) I got to cut you off. I'm trying to lead
2: the sound bite so I can get you saying some. No one's going to listen to this. It doesn't matter. That's probably true.
1: (laughs) The gay acceptance thing has absolutely made strides. Yeah. You can legally get married and adopt kids and. Even the extent... There's certain words we don't say anymore that 20 years ago everyone used to say. Like, they have made huge strides. Absolutely. Eventually, everyone's going to get talking like... You know, give it like a thousand years, right? A couple hundred years. All this shit's going to be normal. Oh, yeah. All this shit's going to be accepted. The
2: barriers will be gone.
1: The person screaming to be accepted is going to be the guy who's drinking diet soda. It's like, leave me the fuck alone. Quit making fun of me for my diet soda. People are going to be like, like how people would say 10 years ago. Like, we don't care about the gays. Like they don't need This is dumb. Like they don't need rights. Eventually it's going to be that shit. That's going to have a movement, right? Don't make fun of me for like eating salads. Yeah. Instead of,
2: but, That's, you know, that is our development. That's our.
1: This is a good thing that at some point we have to accept everyone for everything.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you intended it (laughs) when you said it in that way, (laughs) but yes, we have to accept people for who they are, their bio individuality.
1: Because, in a way, as you're going through elementary school, middle school, high school, if you're an asshole, if you're a shitty person, if you're doing stuff that isn't really gonna help you be a better person as you grow up, people pick on you, people make fun of you, people don't like you because of the way that you are. And you learn oh, people don't like me because I'm this way. And the way that you are probably isn't a good way to be. There's lots of shitty kids running around that well, need sure. to like learn some things. If it gets to where we just accept everyone for how they are, then there's no like, containment of acceptable behavior. I don't or accept-
2: agree. Yeah, I don't agree with that.
1: Well, <laughs> you're going to have a bunch of people saying, oh, your son bit me at school. And you're going to be like, hey, you're not going to make fun of my son for biting people. My son bites whoever the fuck he wants. <laughs> like, you don't, like, now there's a movement for kids biting people, you know, and how interesting they need to just accept it.
2: So you're, fe- you're feeling it's going to get all the way down to these
1: uh, to everyone just being a vanilla version of everybody else. I don't because... think that that's
2: the case. I think that the bioindividuality of it all is a part of it. I think that I think I also think that as a culture continues to develop and become more um, community driven, and you know the way we were discussing, really honoring a person for their differences versus Moving from a place of just not judging them for it, which is obviously the first step. Um, See,
1: that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So we honor we honor the biters. You do know that you're
2: comparing that to like a childhood development, (laughs) like thing that you're not. I know. I
1: know plenty of people in their 30s and 40s that are still going through their childhood development.
2: That are still biting people at daycare.
1: Metaphorically.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everybody's on their own, everybody's on their own timeline with that.
1: But you can't just, you shouldn't just accept that. Like I, it's sounding like I'm trying to compare a gay person wanting rights
2: to to a toddler
1: (laughs) or, or to me complaining about like being a fun of for diet soda. And that's not what I'm doing. I am not against any of that. I'm totally like, you can be as fucking weird as you want. You can even break laws. Like I don't give a shit what you do, even if you're hurting other people. Like whatever, just like do your thing. It's gonna catch up to you eventually, right? But it does make me nervous that not everything is meant to be accepted, and that comes really close to me saying like gay people shouldn't be accepted, right? Because of the conversation that we're having,
2: right? But I know that's that is not what, what you're I trying mean. I just to mean that as.
1: If you take the huge cone of accept everyone, honor what makes them different, you're letting a lot of shit through that you probably like. Like the pedophilia thing is trying to become like an accepted movement. Oh, I know. And that's, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, hey, honor their differences. Like, yeah, it's fucked up, but like that's how they want to be. Like, I don't really think that that's something that most people are not okay with that. Understood. But I think they are picking up some fucking small amount of, like, well, everybody else's weird, you know, kinks are fine. Not calling gay a kink. Like weird yeah, fetish, actual weird fetishes. People feel
2: like that that should be open to them in the same way that a foot fetish or something is. Right, and I think that's the. Whatever.
1: I think that's the stance that they're taking on it too. Is like it's just like this is how I am. Like you can't tell me that how I am is wrong.
2: Well, like, I think yeah, that like we can. Um, so, in my personal opinion, as we grow towards that type of society, the things that create the negativity that you're discussing will also begin to evolve and change because a lot of the things that people do that cause them to oppress others, disrespect others, attempt to control or um, place ownership over others uh, comes from you know inner demons or taught hate. Um, and so what you're saying right now makes it feel as if we're talking about taking people at their consciousness level at this very moment and just lifting the floodgates of, um, I see what you're saying. And I don't think that that's at all possible because in my opinion, we are, uh, at our peak polarity, people feel further away from each other right now. Than they may have felt any time in their current life. You know, that I think that there's a very, very big us versus them going on in um, our country. So, looking through that lens, we have a lot of work to do. And I don't think that those are the the same consciousness we would be in when we move past it. Does that make sense? So,
1: do the work first, you get everybody to this woke state. And then start to accept everything.
2: Well, I mean, once people are able to see what nourishment can do um, on a big picture scale, a lot of that stuff will work itself out.
1: You don't think there's ever going to be some time where, like, just everybody's on board, though? Like, you actually... Not,
2: uh, not a lifetime. I think I will see. No, I don't
1: I think hundreds of years down the road. Do you really think that there's so many different outlooks and so many different personalities that people have? Like, e, what I'm picturing is like some homogenous nation where everybody is just like the same. They all got like the same brains.
2: No, I don't. Like, think hey,
1: we're, we all we all love everything. Like everything's accepted.
2: Honoring someone and, and being the same as them is, is not, to me, it doesn't necessarily equate. So in my mind, when I think about a real community-driven culture, um, we allow people to do the things that they naturally suit. And I think that your individuality will still be there. You know, I, I think that, um, in my mind, when we talk about everyone having the same brains, that's, that's the path we have been on, you know, we've been in, in very much this path of trying to.
1: People are arguing about shit all the time.
2: Well, because I think it's falling, you know, the wheels are falling off (laughs) essentially, but I mean, you know, how much more, how much more could you communicate to everyone? at the same time than you can through the shaping of, you know, media and, and things like that. So uh and we had already kind of lightly discussed earlier that, that it's that stuff is meant to strip people from their individual uh sense of responsibility and their um ability to hear their own intuition and um to kind of strip people down from their internal guidance systems. And things like that. Whereas um, I feel that when you begin to honor people for what they bring to the table, there's much less that these people are all the same when it becomes that we treat these people and their differences with similar reverence. But I do think that people will sh- still show up as themselves, um, very but- much as themselves
1: let's make it simple and say that like half the population looks at everything like you do. And then half the population is like a Trump supporter. Right. Right. Just to make it simple. Cause yeah. I, I seem with the people that I know and I guess where I've lived yeah. in the country, I get a pretty equal amount of like gun toters and progressive thinkers. Right. And they generally yeah. don't go together. Right. You've seen the kind of reaction that these people have had to, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't seem controversial to me. Oh, like, no, no. It's, it seems like, yeah, like you guys are getting fucked and like good on you. Yeah. And you could nitpick it like some people do. And that's fine. Like you, you can nitpick some of the things that have happened or some of the, the actions that have been taken. But the general theme like the idea like hey we're just people like and we've never like, been treated How are you going to argue with as that? as people but people are arguing with it. Yeah. They and are. you think that over a certain period of time like you're slowly going to whittle these people down to where like they they don't think like that anymore? Like you've seen like like the mental walls that they put up when this shit has started happening. And you might break down some of them. But if you're talking about millions of people, they're trying to fight back and gain more people like them. Oh yeah. The same way that you're trying to bring them over to your side. So you may win 25% to be generous, then they're going to win 10% back. Like, it, it's never going to be like everybody just accepts people's differences. And it's never going to be, hey, I actually like what's different about you. Is, you're never going to get that. On a one on one situation, I think you'll get that. But I don't think we're ever, like, no country, even ancient countries, you know, they don't even have that. There's racism in every country.
2: Yeah, I understand.
1: And they've been going at it a lot longer than what, 200 years.
2: Yeah, no, I understand that completely. I think that-
1: They got racism about shit that happened before Jesus was around. You know, like ancient racism that you would imagine has got to be like no part of their daily lives aside from what they're carrying around like in their brain right like actual like I don't have any good examples because I'm terrible at history right and I got picked on for talking about Japan too much recently so I don't (laughs) want to mention that but like the the Japanese do not I hate to sound general right but like they don't like the Chinese and the Chinese come into Japan and the Japanese think that, that they're rude and that they're, like, crass and, and dirty. And then the Chinese come and, like, they trash the area that they're... And then the Japanese get all mad about it. They hate each other because Japan, or China tried to invade Japan, like, thousands of fucking years ago.
0: Yeah. And, like, take
1: it over. And, like, they're still hanging on to that. No Chinese person is coming into Japan raping and pillaging their women. Like that was thousands of years. Thousands, right? Mm-hmm. See, it probably wasn't thousands. It could have just been like 100 years ago because I don't fucking know. But <laughs> it isn't because of what's currently <laughs> happening.
2: No, I, yeah, absolutely. Hate is taught. It, it's just... Hate is taught, for sure.
1: And so, yeah, you could unteach it well, so, that, so that this kid raises his kids differently. But you also know, and you've got a son. He makes one bad friend... Oh, I understand. In like middle school or something. And like all that teaching is, is gone, you know? Because, yeah. oh, this this kid's got spiky hair on the top and long hair in the back. You know, <laughs> like he's so cool.
2: <laughs> oh, living in South Carolina is <laughs> that's a little too close to home. Um, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. And, and that's why I was saying I, I definitely don't. I can't say that that's something that that the shift from polarity is something that I will be able to see in my lifetime. Um, I would love for that to be the case, but, um, yeah, oftentimes these types of things get worse before they get better, you know, like a rubber band snap and you're right to acknowledge the severe tension, um, right now in America, rightfully so with, uh, the topics that we're, you know, collectively having that have been, um, shoved aside for hundreds of years. So
1: I know that you think that I'm making fun of you because you've already told me that you think I'm going to make fun of you. (laughs) I just want some explanation on the cultural appropriation stuff. And I know you said, like two white people can't talk about it or that it's weird for two white people to talk about it. Right. But I don't know anybody else to talk to about it. Understood. And I have like Googled it and been like, so what's up with this? And when you Google it, you get responses from other white people. Right. Telling you why. You shouldn't or should or shouldn't do something. Right. And the thing that's gotten me lately, and it started this whole like avalanche of thoughts, is that you can't talk or reference spirit animals. Right. Like that, that phrase. And when I Googled it, it was like, oh, well, it's a, it's a Native American thing. So, like, you can't say it. And that's basically all that it says. And, right. it's, and it's white people saying it. It's not like, you know, some chief saying, like, this is how we feel as, I don't know, like a Cherokee tribe. Like, this is our formal statement on, like, this kind of shit. There's nothing like that. It's just... Understood. The, the deepest thing I found was, like, an American an Americanized Native American, like not someone who's living on a reservation, but is just part of America was like, like it bothers my mom. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. It's kind of like half and half, but no one's actually getting mad about it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's in all of these topics, the important thing is to honor the community around you. And that's kind of why I said that it's a difficult thing to discuss as just a couple of white people, um, because it is typically white people in particular that, you know, are in the places where they are appropriating. And that's also because they've been in a, you know, a, a position of power for so long. And so I think the biggest thing that I take away from, uh, the idea of cultural appropriation is that there are cultures and practices and people that have been persecuted. Um, and when we talk about spirit animals, of course we, we know the history of our stolen land and to have stomped on a culture, uh, attempted to erase it, attempted to strip it of its power. And then, um, to go back to take the riches of that culture and adorn yourself with them is disrespectful. Um,
1: okay. So I have a bunch of questions already.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm you, not, a. did you, I'm not, not going to say that I can give you, okay. Well, you know, I
1: have a question about that. Okay. Just that half of a sentence. Okay. If it's this straightforward, you should be able to tell me what's wrong with it. Like,
2: I mean, I think I did. Did I not?
1: Well, yeah, but then you were about to preface my questions with like,
2: I may not. I'm just saying that I can't speak as a person who, I don't want
1: you to speak for anybody. I just want to tell you, I just want you to tell me like, Sean, this is why you can't. If I'm, if I'm dropping N bombs, you can easily tell me why I can't say that. Right. You can make it very evident, like very fast, but also like, that's an offensive term. Spirit animal is not slang or an attack. It's not even referencing a person. It has no derogatory comment or meaning behind it. Like it's a belief that they hold. It also is not unique to Native Americans. Correct. Lots of cultures believe in something along those lines.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like, using the belief because
1: we took their land is offensive. It's not because I'm using their belief to describe something, it is because of what's happened in the past that makes it something that I shouldn't Well, basically,
2: say. I think that it's all very personal to every individual, and but it definitely has roots in being the, the oppressor of these places that then, or these people or these cultures, okay. um, and then, and then taking... <laughs> you know, rich and beautiful pieces of that culture and using them for your own gain. So a lot of it started to come up in regards to um, black history and how much of that that we, um, and culture uh, that we borrow uh, in general, you know, music and our overall. Okay. Okay. You got it
1: is it only cultural appropriation then if like your culture has oppressed that culture previously? Is, is that what makes it bad that like we have a bad history with treatment of African-Americans? We have a bad history with treatment of native Americans, but we have a good history with like Canada. So like, that's fine. Like, to do Canadian shit because there isn't like a bad blood or bad history there. Is that what makes it? It's not just taking something from other culture and enjoying it. Like, cause I think that taking is, is a bad word. Like I didn't take the word spirit animal and now they can't use it.
2: Right, but there's a difference too and this is why this conversation gets kind of convoluted is there you know there is a difference between people trying to say that they're appreciating a culture versus appropriating a culture but right. you know what's the difference there in unfortunately a very difficult to gauge thing in another person which is intention you know and that is something that is not readily readily visible to to people but there is a huge difference when you think about um, yeah, animal medicine is something that that lots and lots of different cultures use. You know, now whether or not they would call the, they would all be called spirit animals is is another story. But um, different religions and practices that work with animal medicine exist for sure. But when it's when it's being thrown around flippantly,
1: like on, I'm picturing like a coffee mug, and it says like.
2: This Hooking. unicorn is my spirit. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that is clearly just it's it's a disrespectful use of the terminology because okay. by no means are is that like it's just a. But it's it's like a product. It's it's using something to. So
1: would buying a coffee mug that says "We oui, Paris" on it also be cultural like fucked up?
2: I mean, their language isn't a spiritual aspect of their... Like, isn't a a what super if it's deep that aspect.
1: Baguette on it. <laughs> like, that's also a thing, is that spirit animal isn't a Native American word. Right, it's the if, transliteration If someone was of, going of... around saying whatever the Native American word is, and, like, using the phrase, I could be like, oh, that's a step closer.
2: But, like... I almost feel like informed use of, of information is is more on the side of appreciation, but that's just a personal.
1: But that's all going to be, if I'm walking down the street wearing a but shirt. But you've got to
2: think that spirit animal has, you know, that when we talk about animal medicine and when we talk about especially indigenous cultures that did have so much um, nature involved in their spiritual journeys that it is uh, you know, a little bit of a slight on their spiritual journeys as well that we Perry and Baguette wouldn't quite touch on.
0: Okay, so
1: it's a, a little bit disrespectful because it's a spiritual belief of theirs that we made into a coffee mug.
2: Yeah. Now you're starting to touch on it a bit.
1: <laughs> how is that different from adopting a Middle Eastern religion
2: as your own? Um, Do you mean like because of me being a yoga practitioner?
1: Well, I mean, I don't even really know how all that relates to each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say like, yeah, but there are plenty of you know, born and raised Americans that are like, Oh, I'm, I'm a Buddhist now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's seems like cultural appropriation to me. If I look at it, I can't even say fucking spirit animal, but you're a, you're a Buddhist. Like,
2: and I mean, the thing that you can kind of take from that are like yoga, Buddhism. Some of those more Eastern practices do have, um, applicable ways to work in the life of any person. They're more about practices specific uh, to consciousness and interrelation with the world and other people and um, your own energy.
1: So because it, it has an actual meaning to you versus just like a flippant phrase that you're throwing around.
2: Right. Is that I what think you're it's, uh, yeah, I think that it's a matter of,
1: but, of respect. But wouldn't it be, to me, on, on the scale of fucked up cultural appropriation? Like, saying spirit animal to me would be low. But then, like, adopting a different religion from a different culture would, would be higher. But I understand what you're saying. Like, you know this is like a real. Thing in in my life, it's not just something that I'm throwing around to like be funny or sell coffee mugs, but right? And that. some people
2: do, and those but, people, I mean, like there is definitely a cultural appropriation conversation inside of all of that too. There certainly is. But if you're saying
1: it's okay now for the for the Buddhist religion thing because I'm taking it seriously. If there was an American who went on a spiritual journey to find his spirit animal, that's the most fucked up of all of them to me. But that's also the one that the dude is probably the most truly mentally invested in, which would make it even more okay from what you're saying. Like, no, he's actually like, he's into this shit. So like, but he can't be into it because we killed a lot of people from his culture like a long time ago like
2: no i mean i think that you're just tapping on the like the little bit of the paradox of of intention and you know we c- will never be able to hash out all the rights and wrongs um especially just the two of us in these types of well, conversations but not necessarily just because a person means it or feels it per se but but it's also about the perspective of the people around you um and and listening to those voices you know like i, I think that so it gets- when you discuss that a lot of the things that you found were also written by white people i know that there is certainly um a call for us to collect our our people and and bring them in line um, when they're behaving in a way that that hurts others and is culturally dismissive etc but um, it does it, the difference between intent and how that is not as visible uh, is something that makes the conversation have a lot more facets
1: what it, what it sounds like
2: than I think that we could ever really cover altogether.
1: It's not a specific act or action or saying because a lot of it has to do with the intent behind it. Yeah. But no one out there knows what your intent is. I mean, if it's on a coffee
2: mug, then your intent is to sell a product (laughs) with it. And I think that that is where a lot of stuff comes from is, is that, um, you know, especially when we talk about, you know, hijacking, um, black hairstyles in the okay in the industry and things how, like that. Those have in, incredible cultural significance. Uh, and um,
1: how is see? I don't even get that.
0: Like it's a hairstyle.
1: And again, there's no way that black people are the only people that have ever had dreads. Like it's, it does not belong to them. Anyone. Can do their hair that way. Some people's hair just actually gets that way, like
2: oh dreads, yeah, just allowing people. Well, you said
1: hairstyles. I imagine that's what you meant.
2: I was thinking more about you know, like when we think about the the history of of braids, especially in okay. I haven't
1: heard anything about this either.
2: Slaves would literally braid, you know, rice, or they would have to keep these things on their body. Um, and they would have them braided into their hair, you know, as emergency survival techniques with the things that they went through in this country. And, uh, you know, for for it to just become a thing that looks, quote unquote, that looks cute, I'll try it, without understanding the history and honoring the history of, of why you know the real reason that those things existed um it, it it's belittling you know that these there are things that were a part of black culture in the united states that are also things that they were if not allowed to have you know there are still companies that don't allow um their black employees i mean luckily changing by the minute but allowing their black employees to have their natural hair you know that uh that they, that this perception that they have to groom themselves in a way that's in accordance with whiteness. Um.
1: If you've got some little Norwegian girl that lives on like an island somewhere and her mom's been braiding her hair ever since she was a little girl and then she moves to America, she's never even seen braids on anyone before and then you tell her that that's fucked up. I'm like how is that possibly I don't possibly?
2: know that that's not that good. I don't know that somebody would be picking on, you know, that is not the same thing as as but we're, being styled by a record label for your image to be "quote unquote urban" and then taking, you know,
1: braids don't even come across to me as urban. To me, they come across as like redneck. Like yeah, I mean, con- you're, like that's country. the
2: scope. That yeah, I mean, they're certainly braiding in general has millions and millions of different facets across you know the. But, the if, world, you're, but just, if you're, but if you're in again, it's the intention of <laughs> braiding your
1: hair is to look more like a black girl, to look more urban. The only person that knows that intent are the few people in that circle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how would someone passing you on the street have any idea what your intent was? But people are getting called out for, like, doing this and doing that. The way that, I think the reason that it bothers me so much.
2: Yeah, let's get to that part. Because we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to find the crooks of it. And you're not going to have a list of... Exceptional do's and don'ts, but when it is, but when it's certainly brought out in a way that is meant to uh, be exploited, I think is, is when you,
1: I completely agree with you on that. But I think that
2: that's when I think the issue occurs. I don't. I don't think it's your um, Netherlands Sally with braids from her mom. You know, like I don't think that that's it.
1: People, the people that are upset about this stuff are not informing you pleasantly that something that you're doing or saying is a little messed up because of like Twitter and shit like that. Normally when something happens, it's getting like blasted out there. And then people are piling onto it with how wrong and fucked up it is.
2: Are you talking about like the cancel culture type stuff? Yeah, but,
1: but I mean, some of that stuff is definitely like, yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, I'm speaking specifically still with like the appropriation stuff. Mm-hmm. The way that it seems like it comes out, is like, hey, man, this is obviously wrong. And you're an asshole. And I can't believe that you're so stupid that you don't understand that you can't do this. And it's like, well, it never even crossed my mind. Right. And it's like, well, what did I do wrong? And we had a short conversation where, well, I'm not the person to tell you. And like, I don't need to waste my time explaining it to you. And it's like, well, if you're gonna tell me that like my dreads are wrong, and then tell me that I should know why, and I'm telling you that I don't know why, you want the world to be a better place. You want us all to progress to this utopia. First of all, you should accept my fucking dreads, because we're supposed to accept everything that everyone wants.
2: You don't have dreads, by the way. But (laughs) this is all hypothetical. You've got the curl pattern to do it, so hey.
1: But also, you need to tell me so that I can learn. And if you're not gonna tell me, you're only contributing to the problem. Because you care so much to call me out about it, to shame me. That was actually a
2: dude conversation.
1: I know. But this isn't about me specifically. This is just what I've seen happen to people, where they are like, attacked you can't do this well why and then so many times it's dude the what you did was so wrong that i can't believe i have to explain it to you yeah dude doesn't or a person doesn't understand how what they did was wrong at all because this dude doesn't think about it and these people all they do is think about it right to where they're hunting for something Agreed. to find, to make a, a scene about. Yeah.
2: And, and I'm sure a big disparity in that between. there is
1: a happy medium where there's things you probably shouldn't do. And there's people that will tell you like, like hey man, I'm just going to let you know, don't do this. And I'm going to tell you why. But I don't ever see any of that. Right. And I'm still stuck well, way back Well, I mean, I think that's here. the internet.
2: You know, I think that the... I think that the caring conversations that develop people is not really happening on Twitter. I agree with you. I don't
1: have a lot of real friends and the ones that I do have aren't people that feel that way about social justice issues. Right. They're probably more skewed. Like I've asked people before and they're just like, fuck those people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, man, like I get it, but like that shit's dumb. It's like, no, but I kind of do want to know why they feel so strongly about it and I can't. So I do have to go look somewhere else. But then all I find is people telling me that I should already know.
2: No, I I understand that completely. And I mean, that's, that's, I don't think that that's a space for it. You know, at the end of the day, when I was telling you that the conversation should be being had with, with other guys, it's because, um, just because it, it is good to try to unpack these things as best as you can with, with, the communities that you're in because it has a greater impact. So, but, but I do agree with you. And I think that that's kind of why I said, if we were touching on cancel culture, cause I feel like that's a, a little bit of the same and agreed on that too. There's certainly people that we um, have learned things about uh, or seen things occur. And we've decided collectively we quote unquote, will not be a part of that. Um, but I think that there is, some heightened awareness around that that gets out of control and i don't think that just the belittling and berating is the answer in general to helping people understand things um but it does happen it does happen quite a bit i think the conversations that are important and that really shape people sometimes are behind closed doors um because they are so personal
1: So. Let's talk about that then. The dude conversation. All right. You okay with that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. There is
1: an increasingly exponential growth. Those verbs didn't really line up, but you get what I'm saying, right? In people's actions coming to light. And people doing some really fucked up shit that people aren't staying quiet about anymore. Yeah. And I am 100% for that. And there's been some average dating scenarios that people have gotten some trouble for. And then there's been like, some shit where like it seems to me like nothing has happened, and people get in trouble for it. Where this isn't me saying like men can't be men, because there's some people who are just like straight up like raping people, right? Like, f- physically, like violently. There's nothing to do. with
2: Yeah, that. like trafficking and all nothing sorts the, of.
1: Nothing that that we're gonna talk about has anything to do with that. Right. Like, you made a post. We're this isn't about- even about like the me too movement. If you raped somebody 20 years ago, you should still get in trouble for it. Yeah, absolutely. There shouldn't be a statute of limitations on it. If you're a shitty boss and you're groping your secretary, like you should get in trouble for it absolutely. unless she wants you to do it. Then there's the conversation about, should we do this at work? Some people like to do that. shit at work? Like, <laughs> I mean, they do. You can't say that they don't. I also am in complete agreement with you, and this is kind of why I started thinking about this initially was there was a post that you made about coerced consent is yep. what you called it. Yeah. Where well why don't you explain what it is? Um
2: coerced consent is coming from a place of power in a sexual dynamic and Uh, choosing to either lay pressure upon or repetitively request or guilt or shame a a person into complying with your requests.
1: But why shouldn't you just accept them for how they are? You just, 30 minutes ago, you said that we're just supposed to accept everybody for how they are.
2: I gave you a pretty large <laughs> caveat around how, how much would have to change to reach that space, The thing, to be, to be honest.
1: <laughs> the thing about the post that you made that bothered me, and we looked for it, and we, I couldn't find the exact one. Yeah. But I can explain... What I remember reading.
2: What, you can explain what made you go, oh, what's that about? Right. And
1: I don't think that it's what you think it is. <laughs> Where you gave, a, you gave a kind of a Webster's definition. Yeah. Right? But what, you, what I think that you mean is if your husband is making you feel bad for not wanting to do it with him, Or your boyfriend, or your date, or whoever. A behavior that should be taught to young men to like quit doing this shit.
2: Yeah, it's an emphatic yes. And that is consent.
1: (laughs) And that that happening is a form of rape.
2: It's a form of sexual abuse. Okay. Depending, okay. You know, depend, depending on where it could go from there, I'm quite sure that those types of things could turn I'm out. I'm not
1: a stickler on like just yeah. saying rape a lot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm not trying to get <laughs> right, the right. amount of times I say rape in this episode to be high. When I hear rape, yeah, it is a form
1: I generally abuse. think, okay, physical. Right. Like I'm physically, f- physically forcing you to do this. But what we're talking about is I'm mentally forcing you to do this. Yes. Which I do agree with you is fucked up. And that may have come across differently when we talked about it the other day on text. Yeah. But the reason that it initially bugged me so much was that your solution was we got to teach men... Don't raise like, Mama. Don't raise your boys to be rapists, right? <laughs> oh my God! Like, yeah. like, dudes, tell your dude friends not to do this shit. Like, moms, raise your boys not to do this shit.
2: And we have to. I mean, there's still there's things that we have to unpack in the way that we uh, raise men and women and anyone okay. in between. There certainly is. However, um, again, this comes down to that conversation about the person in power. Uh, and the power dynamics and, and abuse of power in in a situation, and yeah, I do think there's a lot about the culture in which we raise men in, and to be honest, uh, when I say that we need to do better by our baby boys, you know, I have one. and a lot of the things that I think have attributed to um, what occurs in this toxic masculine exchange has to do with... How we don't emotionally nurture our young boys in the same way. Um, so, I do think that there are some parts of their connection that stay underdeveloped. You know, like we all know the tropes of like act like a man, boys don't cry. Like, we could go on and on about how many things are worded in that way to, to express to males that, um, empathy and care and concern and all of these things are not things that they should bother themselves with understanding, learning, or expressing. So when I talk about needing to do better by our children, that's what I'm talking about. That's where I'm coming from.
1: And I think that all that is great. I think that that is how you should teach someone or raise someone. But that's half of it. Oh, yeah.
2: Because it doesn't solve it, it. But it gives a better footing, a better foundation.
1: Well, that's, that's not quite what I meant. But coming along with that is empowering women. Absolutely. And women being strong, mentally strong, physically strong, however you want to take it. Mm-hmm. The way that you put that out there was if I'm a shitty dude and I'm begging you to do it with me and I'm not leaving you alone about it, even like, let's say we've been married for 10 years and you're not really into me anymore, but I'm your husband and I like yell at you or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like I imagine that was a situation that you were like kind of putting out there if you're the wife that's been married to this shitty dude for 10 years, an empowered woman would find her way out of that situation.
2: Right. And I do think that when women's empowerment is absolutely the other side, you know, like as we, as we look at what we can do better by our children in particular, ourselves, certainly um, empowerment is important for, for everyone because it allows you to tap into some of your true inner knowing um and not have to find your guidance or um worth in external measurements and so i think that empowerment is is important all the way all the way across but absolutely for women because in the same token as we're treating or teaching men to be all of these tough uncaring Ways that we're referring to, and of course, this is all just generality. Um, you know, there there are things that women are taught about being subservient, or even the sheer physical um, conversation. And and a lot of the times, I think that that's when men things that men can't quite understand is that there is a certain power dynamic sometimes in just a person's ability to be able to force you to do something, whether or not they are physically acting on it. So that is why that mental, you know, that coerced consent can be a thing that I totally understand how a male can disassociate with having done or even realize that he was doing it because it, it could be very hard for a man to not realize that the, the woman that he is having this situation with does have some part of her that is fearful of what he is capable of, even if there haven't been things that have caused that to manifest.
1: Basically, I might be simplifying this. I'm begging you to sleep with me and you're saying no. So one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to mentally bother you so much about it that you feel guilty. So you sleep with me or I'm physically going to make you sleep with me. And those are the only, those are the most likely two results.
2: Oh, I mean, or I feel like there could be any, any result at that, but, um, basically when it boils down to, you know, get the emphatic. Yes. Is that, when a person wants to be involved with someone sexually, that is clear. It is, is
1: clear. <laughs> is there a fear on, on the woman's side of, like, I can tell he really wants this, and I'm saying no? Is it I'm going to say yes because I feel bad, or is it I'm going to say yes because I'm scared he's going to actually physically... Rate me, or is it both?
2: Both, yeah. I'm sure it's both. I'm sure it's both in whatever in in whatever the situation calls. I could see. I can see people being. That's what um, I, said. <laughs> I can I can see it getting to. I mean, I unfortunately do know um, situations where things have turned physical for people. Um, people that are in relationships that are abusive have probably known that for quite some time, and and like whether or not it elevates depends. Um, I do know people that have been in relationships for a number of years, married and unmarried, uh, where the empowerment of the woman to begin to begin standing up for herself in ways that she had not previously did turn physical, for sure. Um, she
1: was going along with it, or she was into it, and something happened, and she wasn't it wasn't acceptable. Right. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. That she had, you know, the, the, especially people I know sometimes that get married at a young age, um, before they are feeling like they've got a strong foundation in who they are and what they want. And they grow up in that relationship together. And then for someone to become more empowered about themselves down the road, I've totally seen that turn into abusive situations. Right. Cause Um, the
1: dude is used to yeah, having
2: his way and, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of, of layers that can go on here, you know? Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it can be, for sure. The fear can be, it can be annoyance, it can be fear, it can... Okay, hold
1: on. Did you just say annoyance? Yeah, like... Do the, you mean, like, I'm, my husband is annoying me so much, I'm going to sleep with him?
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: But, but that would be the situation where...
2: That would be like the mildest version of this, I no, suppose. No, no, but so I, I mean, was trying to give. That just... would be the
1: situation where the empowered woman is just like, "Well, fuck this."
2: Oh yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure. Not, yeah.
1: Not. Oh, I'm so annoyed. I guess I have to fuck this dude because I'm so annoyed. Like that seems like a really weird response, mm. and like I, let me word this the best possible <laughs> way annoyed and I'm not finding my way out of this by like saying no. So like I guess I'll just do it. But I I could have grabbed my bag and went home. In the situation where like you're on a date, right?
2: Yeah, there are two parties involved here. Like I don't saying, want you to think that I'm not saying that
1: but I'm this isn't like, well that stupid bitch just should have gone home. Like that's not what I'm saying. But you have the choice where you could – I would imagine, like, the strong, independent, like, woman is, like, this is fucked up. Like, I'm leaving. Yeah. And then it's really hard for me to put myself – maybe it's because I'm a man in that position where I would say, like, I could leave, but, like, I'm going to stay – anyway like yeah what what is the thought that's going on where you don't just go home because you want the guy to like you like
2: we're you know it's that's another one of those questions where it's like we will never quantify everyone's thoughts and 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 the reason everyone has different reasons
1: but i guess i'm asking like for, for you to speak for all women.
2: (laughs) I guess I'm just (laughs) asking for you to speak for all women. Okay.
1: Um, it's, you don't have to give me a reason. I'll just say it's (laughs) difficult for me to understand making the choice to stay and not go.
2: Because sometimes when it comes down, especially when we're just talking about coerced consent on like a, a, a small level as what it can be. You know, we covered that of course it can go into the realm of, of becoming a much more serious issue, especially if it has gone unchecked for an enormous amount of time. I feel like it gets um, stronger with time as to, as to what you've allowed, um, like what the power dynamic has become. Um, But you know, sometimes it is the fact that the relationship itself is not a problem. You know, sometimes the relationship is fine, but that that person still is not honoring your no when, when it comes. And so there, that's when the emphatic consent is important because you may still very much be in love with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, whatever. Um, but that doesn't automatically mean that you are are in debt to them sexually and for them to behave that way, there are, yeah, I'm sure there's moments where people concede just to stop having to have the conversation, you know, and when you talk about it being like, maybe it's just because I'm a man that I don't know that I, I will say, personally, I was much younger, but I absolutely have had it passed on to me from another woman as a young woman, that uh, if I wanted for the person that I was seeing to, um, you know, stop making everything so hard as far as far as conversations like, developmental conversations with them in the relationship was that I just had to make sure that I didn't stop having sex with them. That like in order to keep that person where they would listen to me and, and honor anything about what I was bringing to the table, that I had to just make sure that I kept them sexually happy. Period. The end.
1: You can't just eat the burger. It has, you gotta have the fries and the burger.
2: (laughs) So, you know, and I mean, that was passed on to me by a woman who felt like she was giving me, uh, you know, the great advice, The great advice to just keep I mean, him, keep him in a place where he was sexually pleased with my performance in our relationship. And that that would be the gateway to any other. Um, you hear that a lot. And that's insane. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. I agree. So it's that kind of stuff, really. It's those types of things rearing their head where um, at the end of the day, if we cultivated our sexuality together more informed in our relationships and more open about it in our relationships, I think that uh, everybody could be happier sexually. I I think that there's a lot to be uncovered there that um, just because we have been in in such a, power dynamic in that world for so long that people have lost touch of some of that.
1: I got, I got two more questions about this. Okay. I I think a lot of growing up on saved by the bell, (laughs) which was not a sexually charged show like at
2: all. Saved by the bell is one of those shows. When you talk about going back and watching it later, it's got some of the right. The most, Fucked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. It, I it mean, does.
1: whoa. Where it, the focus is generally on like a younger male.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're normally in high school, so it's all about girls. Mm-hmm. Like the Zach Morris, I'm going to bother you until you go out with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And on the show, I mean, it always works. But the girl is portrayed as wanting that wanting him to continuously bother her because as Zach and the girl, <laughs> we're going to talk about save weather Bell. Yep. Are, as he's trying to ask her out, she's not interested. She's not interested. Like, I know what kind of guy you are. Like, you know, I I want to, you, you always with all the girls. Right. Yeah. And then as soon as Zach walks away, she kind of like smiles a little bit and like blushes so that mm-hmm. Zach can't see it. But I saw it. Right. Me yeah. as the yeah. viewer.
2: Te- teaching you that there's coy, like the coy female. Right. And it's yep. like, she doesn't,
1: if I just saw what Zach saw, I'm like, oh,
2: she doesn't, she's not
1: interested in me. <laughs> like, I'm going to leave this alone. But you were kind of like, she will be into me. I have to just portray myself. Because he would portray himself as a studious nerd. And then he would come back with like a borrowed Ferrari and be like the rich kid. And then he would come back with like his basketball uniform, right? To present himself in any way until he got the version that like the girl was kind of into mm-hmm. and then she'd be like, Oh, you know, it's, it's so sweet how he kept trying. Like he was so into me that he tried so hard and it just broke me down. Right. Yeah. That's how it's portrayed. Is that what it's like as a, like, are there women? Have there been times in your life where you're like, Oh yeah. now, now I'm into this because personally, uh, not, sure. pers-
2: not personally, uh, but I, because I also think that that's a part of, to me, that's another part of the problem. You know, like I do think that, you know, and I say problem loosely, it's just our, well, learning, I think it's, le- it's our learning of, I think that with that one is, other, but like, I do like how many times do you think? So the other trope that goes along with this is that young women are taught he's picking on you because he likes you. That's definitely true. That's, that's being crammed into people's heads that well, like, he's, he's make he's doing all these things to frustrate you because he that's, likes you. He's, that is
1: not a trope. <laughs> that is exactly what I do.
2: <laughs> oh my God. So like, there is this idea that is planted somewhere in a, in a woman's mind that, you know, there's a certain amount of, eh, eh, you know, that like poking and, and stuff that is meant to be internalized as affection or care.
0: Yeah.
2: So then you get so that makes a woman put on that role of playing back, you know, being if if you're going to chase me around the playground, then I'm going to run from you and that's the mm-hmm. game we're going to play. Right. So I mean, it's just it's the but, flip of that same coin and to me, do I necessarily think that coy is it's never been a tool that I have personally wanted to use because it's counterintuitive to what I want. You know, like I
1: it's weird. Like, it, it makes it overly complicated.
2: Right. And I don't, I don't see the purpose in that. So that, you know, I, but I do. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen that happen. I do see that happen. Um, but
1: the dude consistently comes for the girl. She's not interested. But eventually, it, it, it almost, I mean, I think it's straight up put out this way. Like, the dudes will say, like, yeah, like, I wore her down. But yes. now she's going to go out with me just take that scenario and like put it in the bedroom. Like it's already set up that like I begged and begged and begged you to go out with me and, it and worked. I did it enough to where you said yes. Yeah. So this is kind of just more of that. Yeah, exactly right. And the woman saying no, but then she says yes, but it's you're more that. saying that the first no is th- like, that's the end of it. Right and do not. The, ask yeah, I mean the, me again it doesn't and again and again. No, it should yeah, it stop don't. after the first.
2: It should stop after the first. No, but the but the things that have to go along with that because I do know that especially in this conversation, which has been a great one, you know we've co- we've covered <laughs> is that, all is that sorts. Sarcasm? of- Sarcasm. <laughs> no, it's been great. But I mean, we've talked about a ton of different things that have, you know, buku nuances, but there is just as much. Hmm, Eh. There is plenty of weight in the way that a person chooses to use no too. If your answer is actually yes, then don't use no, you know, like don't do that.
1: Some people think that's hot. You can say yes, or you can say no, and you could mean yes or no, but the way that you say them, like an angry, like, like, fuck you, no. It comes across very strong. Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh, sh-. Like I actually like did something that like I wasn't mm-hmm. that I shouldn't be doing. Like she wants none of this. But like a giggled no with like a smile.
2: Yeah, a coy, yeah, playing like, the
1: It's like what does this mean? Agreed. But I'm supposed to stop there. But it's not being presented to me in a way that you actually want me to stop.
2: That's why I'm saying that it's, to me, it's, it's two sides of a coin. You know, that conversation, like, I, I don't think personally playing around in the, in the coy space is, you don't think it's a good idea. just in No, you I just don't. don't. And I think if I were a man, especially because of knowing the power dynamics in a situation like this, I would stop at that. No. And I would make it clear why. I know what you I know what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. I totally believe that that's there. You know, I totally believe that that whole they're picking on you because they like you, uh, say no to make them work for it, et etc., cetera, et cetera, are all pieces of what makes that conversation confusing.
1: That's not in any way me saying like blaming the women. If it came across that it way, it didn't. It <laughs> like, didn't. It was just like saying like, what do we
2: navigate in this? No, I mean it didn't. And again, any kind of any kind of dynamic like that does have two people involved in it and they both have to be aware of what they bring to that table, you know. None of these conversations are, are one sided conversations.
1: It seems like I've talked to like two other people in the last week or so, like since I've been trying to do this. And the better, clearer, more precise communication is something that's come up like every single time and I haven't talked to everybody about rape just in general no matter what it is that we've been talking about the struggles that people have with just saying how they feel about something
2: yeah absolutely is letting a person speak to you with unconditional space while you allow questions to come up that are worthy of their introspection and just Letting them have the space to walk around in their own heart and mind.
1: But nobody does that.
2: Uh, No, they, yeah, exactly. They have to go out and pay. Like we live in a world where we don't do that for another, for one another. So it's become a literal job for someone to, to do that with you, you know, to let you have that space. And I think that that's the, that's one of the first steps is being able to hear your own voice. Um, but then there's there is the the big hurdle of once you once you've pieced that together, having the boldness to live in it and speak of it and and make it known and that's
1: what is it that people find so difficult about like being honest with themselves
2: conditional things that they've been taught that they weren't worthy you know there's an unworthiness what, they story
1: they weren't worthy of of what
2: well, I mean you know there's A lot of people sometimes have um, religious upbringing that has given them um, a story of unworthiness. Uh, A lot of times people have um, parental expectations of them that were given to them very early on that they may not have fulfilled in the exact way or what have you, and that has given them a sense of unworthiness body image in the media has given people a sense of unworthiness. There's a whole lot of things that are set up to say that you're not good enough as you are. Um and we run into that a lot. You know, all of us run into that in a lot of different ways, especially in our formative years when we don't know better. Um and I think that it takes people all different amounts of time on their path to unpack that, but I think it is something worthy of unpacking for all of us.
1: Like what's the struggle that, that people go through that like other people feel this way and I was taught that I should feel or think this way, but but I don't and that's just how I am. Like, fuck it.
2: Well, like, I think that realistically, once you get to the fuck it stage, you are you are kind of standing in your your truth, you know, like But why
1: is it I guess why is it so hard for somebody to get why does somebody have so much guilt about something that it really like pulls them down or makes them live a way that like they don't want to live or that they can't face? Like that's because I, what I, what I think.
2: So what I think sometimes creates that is, uh, hiding, you know? So when, when we have that realization that we aren't falling into X, Y, and Z box that was set in front of us and we were told to fulfill by whomever, parents, church, la Da. da and we're not fulfilling it, a lot of people's re- reaction to that is to hide the things that don't fit and to do their very best to get in that box.
1: How old were you when you dropped all that shit?
2: I am still dropping it. I'm still dropping. I mean, you that you must
1: stuff. be nitpicking like some shit,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, once <laughs> once you start unraveling it, you just keep seeing where it's at, but I mean, that's the journey, right?
1: I would say you were like thirteen.
2: No, I feel like i I appreciate that. I very much appreciate that.
1: i don't I don't mean hey, you've left all your baggage behind, <laughs> but I mean the just the thought that it's okay to be and to live however I want. You, I was you young. You did not struggle with that. For, I mean, I don't think, I don't see you struggle with that. Like, I can't remember. I, appreciate that. I think I was probably maybe early high school or middle school where it was just like, oh, yeah, like, like this is my thing mm-hmm. to do whatever I want. Like, I get what you're saying. I I'm don't like, think my dad mine. was a doctor and. His dad was a doctor and they went to Yale and it's like, okay, like, and, and you don't want to, but this it makes you feel guilty is like a wild thought that you would let that like hold you down.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And a lot of us do. I appreciate you feeling like you didn't see that in my personality, um, from an early age, but. It was there, you know, just in different ways. And there were certainly things I let go of very early um, just because of having a somewhat unique childhood. There were certainly things I had gotten over quickly in some places. And then some things that I had not, you know, growing up without, you know, coming of age and then not really having parents. uh, There was a part of me that became a service-oriented person where a lot of the times what I would do is just... Fill the need of, you know, that people pleasing of filling the need of the person that I was with, whether, you know, that was a friend or a lover or whatever, just seeing what they needed from me and making sure that that's what they got from me, Um, which is a whole other way of, you know, chopping off some of your own limbs. Because if you never show up fully, no one can ever really love you fully if you're only letting them see the pieces that benefit them as a person there's a song about that i think that you do personally have a touch on that 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 progressed quicker than than a lot of people because you have stood in in your truth for a number of years since you were much much younger so it might just not be something you can touch on because it wasn't something that you battled with as much but you know your parents also did a good job of putting you in really all the way back to Montessori those types of skills are are taught in a lot more freely in uh in that schooling and really learning to engage the self and do your own problem solving and it that's one of the reasons why that's such a cherished education system too to be honest with you
1: you know what I got in trouble for a lot at that school (laughs) no biting (laughs)
2: Okay, so really, you just want to know when we can get back <laughs> to a world where you can freely bite people again? Yeah, I'm glad to know. We, I'm glad to know we got to the crux of the matter before before we wrapped up today.
1: That was uh, even in like maybe the under eight, under ten, like soccer leagues. I still was biting people.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: I don't. I don't know what made it stop, but eventually, I guess it grew out of it. Or maybe society like pushed me away from it. You know, yeah. I'd still be, I'd
2: still, still be, be biting doing... people. If, if you had just found the right, the right support group. I can't imagine. Eight years
1: old. I just can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. Because I think that that would, I mean, it would destroy your, your
2: life. It does. Yeah.
1: To think that everything you're doing or the entire path that you're on doesn't a whole way of living, like isn't what you really want to be doing.